special UW football episode of the Boyd Meets World podcast. Joining me is the great Michael Stanton. Stanton and I went nuts and previewed the crown jewel of the college football non-conference slate, UW versus Auburn in Hotlanta this Saturday. Uh, we left no stone uncovered as we put this game in historical context, broke down the new rules in college football, triangulated uh, the breakout players this season, provided a complete history of football coaches who wear visors, uh, broke down Auburn's best talent and how they run their show, and much, much more. It was a jam-packed show. It was a long episode, but tons of good stuff in there. Tons of value, um, as, as you'll find in the in the course of the episode. Uh, this is a blast, and I hope you all like it. And subscribe for more previews and value adds throughout your UW football season. Leave a five-star review if you leave this feeling smarter or more excited uh, by the end of this podcast. I really appreciate that. Enjoy I am here with the one, the only child of Stantino, Michael Stanton. Stanton, how are you? Are I am you, great. You're so great. Like we we saw just some massive growth from our last podcast. We got like six more subscribers. Um, wow. I got a couple texts saying nice stuff. I mean, this is big. This is big. We are we are just on the fringes of the iTunes charts. There's no way to tell where we really are, but we're we're getting there. I, I love it. I love it. And you know, we're only just starting, so this is true. It's, all, it's only up from here. Yeah. Last season we were just on the practice squad, but this this is uh you know, this is our maybe our red shirt freshman year, but but either way. Exactly. Um yeah, we're 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 turning heads. We're turning heads. We we might be the the you know, top five UW football podcasts out there. I mean that's that's a that's a good niche to be in. <laughs> I can't name five, so we'll have to look. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. Well, we we have been so stoked about this opportunity. We did a podcast uh, three or four weeks ago, kind of previewing fall camp. It was the day before fall camp started, um, and now we are what four or five days away from from kickoff against Auburn in what appears to be just a massive game for UW. Uh, we were both so excited about this that I think you and I both at separate points during this week had just these stream of consciousness binging of, uh, of research for this. Yours came about, um, 2 AM my time on Saturday night. And then <laughs> mine, mine came at you hard, uh, midday yesterday. So, um, we have both been thinking nonstop about this. I, I actually stayed in on Saturday night, turned down an opportunity to go to a f- live funk show and, uh, decided to get quote unquote stuck in on some pod prep so we're ready what is what is funkier than than looking up uh the rule changes of the ncaa season though i mean that that's that's the true funk show yeah yeah you get we'll get into the nitty-gritty i don't want to spoil the uh the the huge points i have to make in that department but uh yeah we we're get we're getting down to business here there we go um all right so so one thing before we get to the actual football obviously plenty of things football related happened in training camp um but one one thing came and went and we didn't get a chance to reminisce and talk about it uh but picture day and this was something that what 12 years ago 13 maybe you and i would have been all up in that walking around with with just a fully autographed ball signed by a bunch of guys who uh, played for like an 0 and 12 team. Yeah, it's picture day is weird because like it's I think I would still have a good time going, but 
it's like I'm not going to get photos or autographs from from college kids. So I, I think the last time I went, and I I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I think the last time I went, I was like 19. I was literally in college <laughs> when I went. Your skin it just was really the odd. Entire time. Just... Yeah, that was the. I think that was the eye-opening moment where I was like, "Wow, I should probably not do this for a while until yeah. like I have kids to bring or like, you know." like friends kids to bring or like an excuse basically because right. I, I was there and I was just like this is this is probably not for me now <laughs> yeah it was it was I called the Shaq Thompson rule um where Shaq Thompson was like the first big UW player that was uh, officially younger than me and because mm-hmm. he came in I was a freshman when he signed so he would have been a senior in high school when I was a freshman and that was just my sign of like, I need, I have to stop. I, I can't obsess about recruiting anymore um, because I'm now vividly interested in the lives of 17 year olds. And that just, I couldn't, I couldn't say that statement out loud. So, so we've stopped so much on the recruiting, but, but the, uh, the in-game analysis, man, we've, we've stepped our game up. So, oh yeah. Uh, looking forward to talking about that. Um any other thoughts? Just you know, some picture day memories. Uh, there's, there's a maybe, maybe I'll post it. Uh, there's just a great shot. I'm sure you've seen it of of me just like awkwardly lurching next to Jake Locker uh, in like 2009. That's one of my <laughs> prouder. Just a just an awful haircut. Um, just no confidence on my face. That's that's a great picture, man. I I I would I want to see that because I don't know if I've seen that one yet. Um, I think it's on my Instagram deep deep down. Oh, yeah, okay. We'll okay. It. I'll take a peek. Yeah. I think my favorite, uh, well, the the one story I can remember is from the last time I went, and at the time Kevin Smith was on the team, wide receiver, and I remember Von Ocho. Um, he oh exactly he would change his Twitter handle like every week, and so I I asked him when I went through the line and got his autograph. I was like, hey man, like what's your next Twitter handle? What are what do you think it'll be? And he like. I thought it would be so obvious because he literally changed it like every week or every couple of weeks. And he didn't like, he had no clue what I was asking. He was like, what, what are you talking about? And I was like, okay, I'm, I need, I need to leave just all this. <laughs> Kevin Smith had an intern running his, uh, his, his Twitter account. Actually, <laughs> you, you didn't know that. But, um, yeah. But, but yeah. Some he, freshman pledge. There, there we go. Um, yeah. Another great, great picture day moment. I was like in line to get, I think it was Sark's first year, so Sark's autograph, and this was Captain Husky. You, you, you know Captain Husky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Started started the third quarter, first score. Captain mm-hmm. Husky from the mm-hmm. from the uh, the corner of the end zone, which is just just an absolute psychopath of a human. But he would he would rip up or he would do the whole give me an H, give me a U, S K I E S, and then he would just rip up a, a stuffed animal version of whatever the team we were playing. Um, and Captain Husky was at Picture Day in full Captain Husky garb, so dressed oh, wow. like a dressed like a like a luchador, and okay. he, he just lifted me in air, and I'm like 15, 16, and he just lifted me in the air and was just like chest bumping everyone around us on like you know 1 p.m. on a Saturday on Picture Day. Uh, Captain Husky retired like two years after that. I think he just gave it gave it too much probably threw out his back in that moment or <laughs> yeah. knew he knew it was probably close to the end started having heart palpitations as he was doing the <laughs> hus uh that's that's when you know to get out um but uh but nick yeah. holt nick holt taught me a handshake one year and uh i don't know what it was but just the fact that i shook hands with nick holt i'm 
pretty sure I'm cursed for the rest of my life. You shook hands with the guy who gave up, what was it, uh, 1,500 yards of total offense in a, in a bowl game? Um, so that's, that's, that's illustrious company. Nick Holt leading yeah. the, leading the world in, uh, most, most veins visible from their temple. Um, <laughs> miss, miss that guy. Uh, boy, we have, we have made some, some deep strides in our defensive coordinator department. Yes. Um, my God. speaking of deep strides, we're going to get into our four downs segment, which kicks off every podcast. We go over four big topics facing UW this week. You're going to lead us off as always. You're going to talk about, what talking about the season opener and whether or not this is the biggest season opener in well it's the it is the biggest season opener in decades i don't i don't even need to ask the question i can tell you um just just kind of emphasizing the fact that like there is a lot riding on this game and uh just know like this basically in some respects could dictate how the season goes i mean um, you're basically looking at a, if you win, it almost cancels out a loss later in the season in some respects. Mm-hmm. So the impact this has is massive. Um, just to give you some context about this game, uh, the last time the Huskies faced, were in the top 10, faced a top 10 opponent. So last time it was a top 10 matchup to open the season, you have to go all the way back to 1962 when the great Jim Owens was at the helm for the Huskies. We played number seven Purdue, and we ended in a riveting 7-7 tie. (laughs) So uh, really hoping that it's a little more exciting than that on Saturday. Uh, This one, I actually, once I saw it was a tie, I started looking at this like, okay, what happened? 7-7. Purdue's only touchdown came on a fumble that we gave up on our own three that they punched in. And UW fumbled the ball three times in that game, as well as their kicker missed three field goals. Field goals. So uh, very reminiscent of some games last season, unfortunately. Yeah, I was going to say that. Hopefully, like it's ASU. a little. Yeah, hopefully it's a little more, uh, a little cleaner and a little more exciting than that one. Um, but yeah, getting back to the game, um, obviously a massive game. Peterson, since he's come to UW, uh, has yet to really have a a win on a national stage like this. I mean, we played in the Peach Bowl, the semifinal against Alabama. We all know who that, how that went. Um, then last season, Fiesta Bowl against Penn State, and obviously we dropped that one as well. Um, so this is probably the biggest stage we've uh, we've been on, other than those two games, those two games I just mentioned in uh, the Peterson era. So it's just will be interesting to see how the team responds to that type of uh, that type of stage and. Uh, just what what will happen on Saturday? Yeah, Saturday's huge. Um, I don't think there's any any more words that need to be spent on on hammering that point home of just kind of the the magnitude of this game. Um, just f- from like a, a pure like you just don't get games like this very often. I mean, for for UW to be in a game that that everyone's looking at that's not a bowl game where it might be the only game in a day. Um, is 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 just kind of a testament to, to how far we've come from from those picture day days that we were reminiscing upon. Um, so no no new no words on that, but I just thought I'd, I'd provide some uh, some some worst openers in decades, just mm. like in terms of excitement standpoint. Uh, mm-hmm. How much fun does it sound to play Air Force in Quest Field in two thousand five? This was the uh, was this Willingham's first game ever? Yes, yeah, yeah. Fisher to Barry, I think, or <laughs> somebody like go. that was the coach for Air Force. Yep. I remember this game. Running unfortunately, the wing yeah. 
Were you there? Yeah, I was there. No, no. This was this was one of the games that I that I missed. I remember I was uh, my family used to have a cabin down down near Shelton, and so I was down there watching it and just you know pent up upstairs watching it up by myself, just frustrated <laughs> to no end. Just uh, yeah, screaming that, into pillows. Yeah, that was the beginning of the end in some respects. So yeah, don't really want to. Think about that one. Yeah, the Willinghammer uh, uh, got off to a bang. I think Lewis Rankin got over 100 yards. Lewis Rankin on our on our wish list of, of pod guests. Um, but uh, yeah, there was uh, I remember they were gold gold. Uh, it was a road game in Quest Field, um, and it was just very 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 odd. And so we lost 23 to 17 to a team that ran ran like the wing tee. I think Air Force was was doing back then. They might still. Who knows? That sounds um, like an Air Force thing to do. Yeah, so 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 that was probably about as, as low as it gets in terms of uh, prestige. I mean, obviously these these Rutgers games the last two years haven't been huge ones to write home about, but um, but obviously the state of the program was such that they were they were important games. Uh, 2010, uh, your boy in Provo, Utah, taking his first airplane ride uh, ever. Incredible uh, to go watch us lose in Provo. Um, My dad was there, in fact. Yeah. Uh, yeah, could have used a also hug from Jim go. on the way out. Yeah, um, <laughs> I remember my dad uh, mentioning how he felt like a like a high school senior having to drive around Provo and find somewhere that actually sold beer. <laughs> yeah, my dad my dad wasn't as concerned about scoring beers with with uh, seventeen fair, year, fair. seventeen year old me lugging around. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just remember the, the like the vivid memory of that in Provo, Utah, um, was the the gold. Coca-Colas, the caffeine-free Coca-Colas. Uh, oh, that yeah. You will never, ever see anywhere else. Um, but that was all they had in the stadium. It was crazy. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty wild environment uh, that I'm glad I will probably <laughs> never never go to again. Um, and then the big one, I think, in terms of, of hype over the last, like, 20 years was the 12 men on the field game uh, at Michigan uh, in 2002. That was uh, uh, that was similarly like all eyes are watching two big two big teams. I think UW was ranked 11th going into that season um, and had the game won, and then they didn't um, with 12 men on the field for a kick. Yeah, I was also uh, down at our cabinet for that game. I remember this because I was actually inside of the closet uh, upstairs as that field goal was happening. Wasn't there a field goal at the end? <laughs> Yes. It was a field goal, right? That well, we had, yeah. Yeah. I was so nervous. I was upstairs. It, it was like a lofted upstairs, so I could still see the TV downstairs. But I went inside the closet and closed myself in there <laughs> as that kick went. And then uh, as as it happened, all hell broke loose, basically, and we yeah. lost. So I, I laugh, but I've probably done such such just nutso <laughs> stuff without even realizing what I'm oh, doing. Yeah. Watching, watching games, right. just losing my mind. Um all right, so that's that's enough getting into our deep, <laughs> deep, dark personal history with uh, with UW openers. Um, we're going to talk now about the the team experience um, that the UW has going into into this season. Shouts out to uh, to my boy Sam Sheehan. Brought this up in a group text uh, that I'm in of just kind of uh, the sheer number of, of returning starters and and how much depth this team has in terms of juniors and seniors on the team that are that are quality players that might not even um, start, but you just have guys that you can rely on. So UW has 17 returning starters, losing uh, Dante Pettis, uh, Will Disley uh, to the NFL, uh, and Coleman Shelton on offense as well as a center, and then losing Keyshawn Bieria and Vita Vea on defense. So losing only those uh, four, or losing only those five guys from last year's team. 
17 out of 22 is a good number for, for returning players um, from or starters from last year's team for anybody. But then Phil Steele, um, one of the great college football gurus out there, Phil Steele uses his kind of crazy algorithms, but they all kind of make sense about how, you know, it's the, the schedule rankings and the, the depth and things like that. So he has this, this metric called experience points. I just want to go over the four the four playoff teams from last year and what their experience points were heading into last season. Um, so Clemson had scored a 50.1, and this is based off of like returning starters and how many of your returning starters are seniors and juniors and your O-line and your quarterback coming back. So lots of different factors in here that kind of go be of, uh, above and beyond the, uh, the just returning starters metric. So Clemson scores a 50, Bama scores a 60.5, Oklahoma came in at a 67.5. Georgia came in at a 75.3, although that would heavily be skewed by the fact that Jacob Eason was their guy coming into last season. Obviously, that was not the case by the end of last season. Um, and then, so 75.3, Georgia was the leader last year. Um, so experience helped them out in the rest of their team other than Eason. UW this year is coming in at a 75.9. So more experience, as uh, Phil Steele would dictate, um, than any of the four playoff teams from last year. And now, so obviously, nice. experience is just one metric. There are plenty of them out there that can tell you about their team. Uh, but it is worth noting that UW is fifth in, in the Power Five teams uh, in terms of experience from last season's team. So that's that's obviously something that's that's good and something that I think is worth noting, that this is a team that has been there before and just, you know, I mean, 2016 you had – all those young guys playing as sophomores in a game that I think they're kind of over their heads a little bit. We talked about that last time, but um, you know, you've taken your lumps over three seasons and now guys like Browning and uh, you know, uh, you know, Miles Gaskin and, and Trey Adams and that whole offensive line has now kind of been through the ringer. And, and I think that that's a tremendously valuable team or thing for a team like Washington to have. It's, it's one of the main reasons why I'm feeling good about this coming weekend versus uh, when we faced Alabama or Penn State, for example, mm -hmm. it's just the fact that there's there is upperclassmen all over the board. I'm looking at the projected depth chart uh, right now, and and speaking of which, the the official depth chart should be out tomorrow, which will be Tuesday. Um, looking at the depth chart right now, and I think there's only one position group that doesn't have a senior as a starter, and it's the wide receivers, and mm -hmm. two of those three are juniors. So. Um, just goes to show you there are experienced heads in all these position rooms um, that can really, you know, kind of keep the younger guys straight and and um, keep them focused and, and really let them know what they should expect going into a raucous environment like um, – like what we'll see on Saturday. Yeah, worth noting too, as you talk about the receivers, that Chico McClatcher listed as a junior. Uh, it is his fourth year on campus, so he's got plenty of experience um, given that he took last mm -hmm. year as a, as a medical retro year. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's it's exciting in a team that, you know, kind of on a good college football team, There's the, you see the, the full, full growth of these guys who come in maybe as semi-touted prospects and they have to wait their turn uh, coming in to really make their make their hay as as juniors and seniors as as we'll see a lot with this team. So uh, definitely a lot to be excited about and just kind of cool that you know there's just names that have cultivated over the last few years where you're really getting to to see these guys grow and become become three or four year contributors for this team. Uh, moving on to third down, uh, you're going to talk about 
kind of the rule changes. So what what are what's different uh, this year? Does, do you need do you need three feet inbounds now to call it a catch, or 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 what's what's going? You on? don't actually. That's a good call though. Maybe yeah. that'll be next season. We'll see. Um, but. But as you mentioned, you have to get uh, a prosthetic night, leg inbounds to, to call it. <laughs> yeah, who knows what they're going to come up with at this rate with all the tackling uh, rules and stuff like that. But uh, uh, you mentioned last night when I brought up that I would I would be mentioning rule changes that uh, the Boyd meets world or the art kind of pod likes to bring a value add. So uh, this is it r- right here, folks. Um, I'll give you the rundown of all the new rules that you need to know. Starting off with kickoffs. And that they're actually fair catchable now um, with the ball advancing to the 25-yard line. That's the difference. So you could fair catch previously, but it would be at the spot. Now you can actually fair catch anywhere, and the ball will be advanced to the 25-yard line. Um, I'm not sure if you fair catch past the 25, if if it'll go back or not. But I don't know why you'd ever do that. Um, But In a pooch kick scenario, I'd imagine that that, uh, you'd get the ball at the spot there. Yeah some 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 deep down strategy there maybe Uh, Maybe. who knows but uh but uh when will this be utilized is what i'm wondering and i'm thinking maybe like if it if it's with it between the the end zone and the five maybe call fair catch if you don't like your odds getting back out to the 25 um so i don't know we'll see how that's utilized uh by peterson and the rest of college football one interesting thing and peterson noted this on his radio show last week that he wasn't a fan of is this catch um or this rule if you fair catch and then muff the ball you can advance you cannot advance it so if if there's any misplay of the ball after calling a fair catch it it stays at that spot the the um, the kicking team can't can't advance it if they recover it no, no, no. The uh, receiving team can advance it. Okay. If they so like like if I muff the pump, if I muff the kick after I call fair catch, I have to keep it there. I can't pick it up and advance the ball, which he was saying you should because if you miss the miss catching the kick, you shouldn't have to just stick with it there. You should be able to then advance. But I don't know how you how yeah. you determine that. It would be tough, but. Anyways, second, moving on. Second, comforting that, that Chris Peterson has given it that much thought, though. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed. I mean, but he's the guy who should be at, at the end of the day. So <laughs> very true. Um, <laughs> it's like his job or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. weird. Um, second rule change: um, cut blocks down the field. Um, offensive players can't block below the waist at all if they're more than five yards down the field. It used to be able to block below the waist downfield if it was coming from uh, the front of the opponent or at the front of the opponent, but now it's just you can't block below the waist anywhere down the field. Hmm. So uh, you may see some some flags thrown here and there that you might not know what it's for. One of those weird, you know, what the hell was that? It wasn't holding or pass interference, so what was it type thing? Well, Especially it might be in, this now. in week one for us. Exactly. We'll, we'll talk about Auburn. Auburn loves to throw a little screen game. Uh, so you get those mm. offensive linemen road grading down 15 yards down the mm-hmm. field. Uh, they gotta, okay. they got to change their practices a little bit. Good to know. And then um, the last one, and this one has been uh, kind of up in the air for a few years now, but uh, stricter uniform rules. So in 2015, uh, they made sure that jerseys had to be tucked in, thanks to Zeke Elliott wanting to show off all of his, you know, built physique for for the nation. Um, So that was implemented, but this year, pants must cover the knee, which is... uh, which is a new one. Peterson did mention this in his podcast or his radio show last week as well. And he said that 
um, during scrimmages this fall camp, uh, half the team would have been taken out of the game if uh, there were officials calling those. So <laughs> really hoping we could sort that out um, before this Auburn game, because if you do get called on it, you do have to come out for a down similar to the uh, losing your helmet rule. So uh, there's the uh, the podcast value add right there for our listeners. There we go. Right. That's that's three things to keep an eye on. Three things at your uh, at your little party that you can you can uh, you can you can bring up and immediately immediately be either mm. extremely nerdy and, and turn people off or uh, or be the person that everyone relies on for, for information the rest of the day. So uh, I like to envision the latter of that. Yes. But, uh, we'll yes. See. Yeah. If if it's the if it's the former, get out of there. Right. F- find a better spot. It's not my not my type of people. No. To be. No. Uh, we don't like that jib. The the cut of that. Um, all right. So number four. All right. There's neither of us were at fall camp. Let's, let's just get that out there. Right. You come here for insider information. Uh, I have a better excuse than you do. Um, I live three thousand miles away. Um, you have a job, I, I believe. That I'm just would, lazy. <laughs> that would preclude you. I'm just a lazy person. Preclude you from getting into the stadium. Um, or, or do you hear about the, the Mike Tomlin drone scare at Pittsburgh Steelers camp? No. So uh, apparently at Steelers camp, there's like some big. It's been described as like a just a tarp floating in the air. Uh, it's like held down by by ropes. And Mike Tomlin, Steelers coach, wasn't asked about why why that is there. It's like drone defense, um, so that drones wow. drones can't film his practice. Um, Whoa! And his quote was like, "You know, these days you never know." Uh, so yeah, these days you never. Isn't know. Isn't he supposed to be one of? I feel like that would be like what an older coach would say, just kind of <laughs> out of touch with technology or yeah. something. He, but he, he also though every time he goes and plays in New England, I feel like he he ends up leaving saying like yeah i don't know but you got to check their uh check their <laughs> check their voice communications uh you know getting calls there's like radio interference of just some some pats fan <laughs> screaming at him as he's trying to call plays he's he's got to be a conspiracy theorist right yeah flat earther for sure um, yeah so yeah. anyways <laughs> neither of us were at full camp um so we rely on the professionals who are allowed access um at those types of things to to provide us with the information um, as to, to what's going on and kind of who to watch out for and, and you know, who, who really broke out of camp. So the two primary guys doing that, Adam Jude of the Seattle Times, my boy, A. Jude, um, love the Husky Headlines podcast. It's just great. Um, we got to work on, on Adam's delivery. Sometimes we'll take him like a good 15 seconds to get between words. But uh, other than that, Adam Jude, great, great reporting for the Seattle Times. And then Christian Capel, uh, who did an amazing job at the Tacoma News Tribune a few years ago, but now he's working for The Athletic. You still haven't subscribed, have you? No, yeah, no. It's kind of, yeah. Yeah, I'm holding out. That's that's fine. It took me a while, too. Uh, but Capel is very, very good at what he does. So between those two, those are your two primary beat reporters for, for UW. Uh, and so what we're going to talk about here in the four down or fourth down is triangulating between those two. Uh, who were the breakout players of fall camp? So basically the overlap between who Adam Jude said was the fault was the breakout players and then Christian Cable, because obviously if both of those guys agree that there's a better chance that that guy is truly a breakout player, uh, given that there's multiple sets of eyes confirming that. Anyways, Christian Capel lists as his breakout players this year. He says uh, Jake Hayner, um, the the former walk-on quarterback, um, seems to be the, the, the guy as the backup quarterback behind Jake Browning. Um, so look out for Hayner there. 
the freshman corners, so talking about uh, Kyler Gordon and Dominique Hampton and Julius Irvin, the freshman corners all seem like that they can contribute and all seem like, um, you know, even if they don't play this year, that those are guys that we're going to be looking out for in years to come. Um, it's just the, the UW defensive backstrom continues to be just a, a very, uh, they're running out of room in there. I hope that's the, that's the, the largest capacity room in, uh, in the UW practice facility. Uh, Peyton Henry, uh, kicker. Good news uh, to hear that a kicker has has come out of, of all of this. There we go. Yeah, uh, our our boy. Uh, can we call him? No, we can't. We can't call him Legatron yet. We can't. We can't no. do that. Uh, we we will need a name for Peyton Henry. Um, assuming things go well. Uh, but Peyton Henry, the kicker, seemed to really shine this camp, which is great news. Ty Jones, sophomore receiver. Uh, Elijah Molden. Uh, junior cornerback out of Oregon, uh, betting Potoai, which is great news off the edge as a pass rusher, Quentin Pounds, um, who uh, there, there was much hype this, this summer about, uh, Aaron Fuller got the, like the legacy Jersey for a, a former player. You remember who that was? They, number number two. Yeah. Aaron, uh, they uh, gave Aaron Fuller number two because he exemplified team values. And so he gets the, the legacy number two Jersey and he gets to wear that. Um, Either way, Quentin Pounds is the owner of the legacy Sonny Shackelford jersey. And oh my! Nobody talks about that. That you can't. Just, what a name you drop! Can't just walk into to UW receiver room and get number twenty one. Uh, Sonny Shackelford, he and his five five catches for sixty yards, a couple different times throughout his career. You you can't. I I don't know. That's royalty right there. Not to be confused with Anthony Russo. Also yes. of that generation, yes, of and wide receivers. Andre Bacellia is currently the Anthony Russo, yeah, legacy <laughs> legacy jersey holder. Um, uh, you and I should really be in charge of these things, um, as b- bestowing. You should honors. work for the marketing uh, department at UW. We, we, should, we could come up with some great. I, campaign. as a former technically employee in the marketing department, uh, I could pull pull some strings. No a great cat week or something. Yes. Yes. Uh, anyways, so those are Capel's breakout players. Adam Jude on his, he said Aaron Fuller, um, the aforementioned Aaron Fuller, owner of the number two jersey. Ty Jones as well. So our first overlap there, he said Ty Jones really stood out. Uh, Drew Sample. Who will be the starter, he, by the way. I'm absolutely pretty, pretty will sure. be the starter. Um, mm-hmm. Drew Sample, senior tight end, who just got married. Congratulations. Kate Otten, uh, freshman tight end out of yep. Olympia. Uh, just one of mine. Sounds like a behemoth of a, of a person from everything that I'm that I'm reading. An overlap again with Benning Potoai, which is great news. Um, uh, who for you know owner of the Hauli Kakaha legacy jersey, mind you. Mm-hmm. Um, Savan Ahmed, Shane Bowman, um, Jude agreed that the freshman corners from before were all standouts as well. Elijah Molden and then Peyton Henry again. So the overlap guys that we have are Ty Jones, Benning Potoai, the freshman corner, uh, Freddie freshman corners, Elijah Molden and Peyton Henry. What say you about all that, um, given that, you know, we didn't really know about a few of those guys, and uh, it's definitely good news to hear that uh, we got some breakouts there. Uh, great news that our, that Payne Henry's on that list, just to start out. Yes, uh, being, given that we basically given the didn't kicking have kicking situation. Yeah. Correct, correct. A um, couple of guys I would also add to that. Uh, I was going to say Kate Otten, which he got. Um Another one I've heard some good things about so far, Kyler Manu at linebacker. Oh, um, I've heard some good things about his camp. And then I had one more. Oh, uh, Shane Bowman, which you mentioned. I did see Ryan Bowman had some quotes about 
his brother Shane, and he said he's he hasn't seen someone so committed slash just like downright possessed at like getting right for this season at, than his brother Shane. So, and uh, that's big compliments coming from Ryan Bowman, who has been in college for all of two years. So he he has some great perspective <laughs> great to guys who have really put in the work. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, it can't. It's it's not, it's good news <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day. And his older brother, so. but I, I will take it with an <laughs> enormous grain of salt. The compliment we, that, that young Ryan paid to his big brother Shane. True, we are pretty. We are pretty. Well, I wouldn't say pretty thin, but we are thin, thinner than most areas on the defensive line. Yes. So I will take what I can get in that department. Absolutely. Um, anyone? I mean, the, I think the most interesting ones from that. I like. I like that Ty Jones really stepped up. We kind of lumped Ty Jones uh, last time we talked in with the freshman. Austin Osborne, Marquis Spiker, because of their size. Uh, but it was really good to see Ty Jones kind of as the sophomore in that group, similar size, but um, experienced in a guy that got run in a, in a few games last year of him really stepping up. Um, so it looks like it's going to be Fuller, Ty Jones, some mix of Bacellia, McClatcher, um, as, as your three or four, and Quinton Pounds as your three or four or five receivers that are going to be regularly out there. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm excited to see Jones. Like you said, we saw him only a few times last year, uh, but yeah, now that he's been in the system for a season, um, and it's been pretty much given the starting job. It's it's his to lose at this point. Um, he brings he's six four, so he's one of the tallest receivers um, we have, if not the tallest on the on the team. Um, but he will definitely eclipse and build on his 71 total yards that he accumulated <laughs> in the receiving department last year. At least he would hope. Yeah. Do you want to bet on uh, what multiple of 71 that he ends up this year? Uh, like triple, oh, quadruple, man. quintuple? That is tough. Does he that quintuple it? Does he go over he... 350 yards this year, Ty Jones? Uh, 30 yards a game? Yes. I'm going to say yes. Why not? I'm going to say yes, but mo mostly due to the fact that he's the starter. I mean, it's, I don't think he's like, I don't think he's going to go out there and really like go wild and like be impress everybody, but yeah. he will be in enough snaps that he should get over that threshold. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think, I think that it'll be yards and stats that really have no, no place in Chris Peterson's uh, discussions or, or thoughts. Uh, but I, I just think that, that, that opportunity is there, and I'd like to see it happen. Um, one other quick note, obviously Peyton Henry, very happy for him. The Elijah Molden, Hunter, or uh, not Hunter Bryant, Miles Bryant for the the uh, the slot cornerback role, I think is going to be very interesting. Miles Bryant, just from reading the tea leaves, kind of seems like a, uh, a coach favorite, and it just might seem like Elijah Molden might just be better and and we will ah. see we will see how that plays out um but just kind of reading conversations that's kind of the vibe i got is that molden's talent is okay. on full display i remember miles bryant just a couple of times last year looked a little bit overmatched especially uh in those situations where he had to guard um you know bigger corner or bigger receivers jgr sega whiteside took him to just absolute church oh last gosh. year in the stanford yeah. game so uh that's still in the in the taste of everyone's mouth and just kind of a product of of bryant's size he's just not a very big guy um, whereas Molden can provide a little bit more of that. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, Bryant was the standout guy coming out of last year's fall yep. camp. Yep. So he was. Uh, he it's, was. it's interesting to hear that his 
backup essentially is one of the guys this year. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. One of them good problems, uh, to borrow a quote yes. from the wire, uh, that you have kind of this perpetual, um, you know, just competition between a guy that looked like an incumbent last year or cutting into this year with Hunter Bryant being challenged by uh, a very talented um, and breakout player. Um, not like Bryant's playing badly. It's just Molden really came on strong. Good stuff there. We are through four downs. Uh, we're going to add a, a new segment here, given that you know there's a there's a big game. It's it's worth previewing. And as you said, we're we're all about the value add, right? We, we don't want you to listen mm-hmm. to this and, and come out of here saying, "What did I learn?" Other than uh, Michael and Brandon are very awkward people and and had troubled troubled childhoods watching <laughs> UW's football. Um, I didn't stay up until two o'clock <laughs> and uh, and uh, give up on a f- live funk show. No. For nothing here. So we're bringing some some hard-hitting stats. Yeah, so we, we want to provide you with some insight heading into this Auburn game. I don't know if we'll do this every week. Uh, I don't know if the North Dakota game will require this much uh, this much uh, insights uh, or, or research. I'd go to the funk show in that case. There we go. Yeah, you've earned that funk show at that point. Uh, but, <laughs> but we're going to do a segment here called Know Your Opponents, um, and we'll kind of break this down into, you know, there's an, a, there's an old football saying, and the first time I heard it was by the uh, – the just the immortal Dick Baird, who I think every is one of the Husky honks. He's on 950 KGR, former UW coach, former Wazoo player, actually. Uh, but Dick Baird is, I think, 148 years old um, by last count. Um, mm-hmm. No one actually knows. It just kind of open up one of his fingers and there's just rings. And that just tells you how, how old Dick is. <laughs> um, but anyways, Dick Baird, bless his heart, I think is asked every single week for the last 20 years uh, if UW is going to win the game. And he has predict- predicted UW to, to win yes. uh, every single time. So congrats. Gotta love it. Yeah, he is phenomenal. Uh, but anyways, the, the phrase from, from Dick is, uh, sometimes it's not about, uh, you know, it's kind of interchangeable if, if like, your team is just not as good as the other team. You say, sometimes it's not about the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's. And then sometimes if your team is way better than the other team and then you lose, then you can say, it's not about the Jimmy's and Joe's, it's about the X's and O's. So it's it's this perpetual like snake chasing its tail of of uh, of which excuse you want to use when you lose. Um, but Dick Baird is a master of, of flipping it. Sometimes Wise it's Jimmy's and Joe's, Baird. sometimes it's X's and O's, you know? I like it. Yeah, so so we're gonna split it up as such. Uh, tell us about the Jimmys and Joes. Kind of get going on. Uh, who are some guys at Auburn that you got to pay attention to um, that that are gonna jump off the page as soon as we start watching them on Saturday? Sure. Yeah, the first guy you're gonna you're gonna want to keep an eye on it. Eye on is obviously their quarterback Jared Stidham. Uh, he was a transfer from Baylor. He played his first season at Auburn last season, um, and he was, at least during the middle of the season, was almost unstoppable. He struggled in his first two games and his last two games of the season. Um, In those four games, he only threw for 58% passer accuracy with 114.1 passer rating. But in those middle 10 games, that 58% passing accuracy jumped up to 71%, and his passer rating went from 114 to 169. So... We know the guy's capable. It's just whether or not he's going to show up because uh, he ended the season on, season on a sour note. So we'll see um, what version of him we get on Saturday. But I'm just going to guess we get the better version of him. Um, with yes. that said, though, go ahead. Uh, he is not necessarily the focal point of this offense, as Auburn is definitely a run-first attack. Mm-hmm. So you're going to really want to keep an eye on their rushing game. Um, 
They did lose Carrion Johnson last from last season to the NFL, uh, who finished ninth in the Heisman voting. So, you know, thirteen hundred and ninety-one yards. That's uh, nothing to scoff at. He He's was he was a big deal. Got a uh, uh, Carrion has got a pretty dang good shot at being the uh, the Lions' starting running back this year. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. So he is. He was legit. He was legit. So losing losing Carrion leaves a big hole filled by uh, some some interesting names here. Cam Cam Martin is who I who I have listed. Is that who you're thinking as well? Yeah. So Cam Martin kind of is kind of the. It seems like Martin and Whitlow are the. Cam Martin was kind of the incumbent. Uh, Jatarvius mm-hmm. Whitlow. That's an SEC mm-hmm. name if I've ever heard one. Uh, is a redshirt. But not the best that you hear today. No, no. Stay tuned for that. Jatarvius Whitlow is the redshirt freshman um, who's just six foot, two hundred sixteen pounds. That's a that's a big, big, big human. Cam Martin coming in a little smaller, 5'10", 193. Uh, both of those guys figure to be featured prominently at running back. Uh, also worth noting with Auburn, Auburn does a lot of the uh, the wildcat business. So Carryon Johnson was their wildcat player as taking that snap straight from straight from the center um, a lot of the time and so that's that's an added responsibility for whoever that that running back is going to be Malzahn in his press conference the other day though very cheeky yeah he wasn't he was very coy on whether or not they would implement wildcat going for I mean for obvious purposes he's not going to say yes or no probably but uh just from what he said it seemed like they were shying away from that more so than all about it yeah. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see if they actually implement it. Uh, that just might be, you know, some pregame tactics. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, that is definitely they were the ones who basically started the Wildcat in some respects, right? With uh, Cadillac Williams and uh, Ronnie Brown. Uh, so or Ronnie, is that Ronnie Brown has a history with the Wildcat, no, but that was with no, Miami as a as a dolphin. It was Arkansas yes. that started it with Darren McFadden and yes. Felix Jones. Uh, the greatest, I should know that my buddy, my buddy, he went to Arkansas. Ever is going to hate me if he listens to this. Yeah. Uh, DMC, Felix Jones. Uh, gosh, who else was in that? Uh, Peyton Hillis was their fullback during that. Nice. Time. Yeah. Great call. Uh, so two Madden cover athletes. No, one NCAA football cover athlete and uh, a Madden cover athlete. <laughs> Peyton Hillis, the Madden cover athlete. <laughs> Incredible. Happened. That happened, folks. A Cleveland Brown. Um, yeah, I, I think Stidham um, is a guy that – he, he Stidham is, is Kirk Cousins to me. Like they, they both wear eight. They both throw very similarly. Both have very strong arms when given time. Um, they, you know, he likes Stidham is a guy that was kind of he brought brought Auburn onto the scene as you talked about when he was really rolling last season. Uh, but also to end the season, one thing to know about Jared Stidham: four straight fumbles in games to end this, or four straight games with fumbles to end the season. Three of those happening in the red zone. Um, as they lost to, or they beat Alabama and then lost to Georgia, lost to Central Florida. So he's a little turnover prone. And one thing that, that, uh, that I think Malzahn or their offensive coordinator talked about was it's a big deal for, for Stidham to keep two hands on the football, um, because of those fumbling issues. Get in his face early and often. Yeah. Take, take some swipes. Um, the receiver core, I, I just learned today, I was watching the the, the uh, Auburn-UCF game, the bowl game. That was the, the Shaquem Griffin, you know, welcome to the party, uh, I'm really good <laughs> game. Uh, when, when UCF just, just, just they, they came on like a bunch of banshees in that game. Uh, yeah. I'm really surprised Auburn. It's awesome. Uh, it was a very fun game to watch. There were two big, 
so I, I had it listed that five Auburn's five leading receivers from that game were coming back uh, for this. Yeah, couple injuries. Yes, Will Hastings, 5'10", 166. Jim Rat, gritty, grinder. I was all set to talk about Will Hastings. Uh, Will Hastings got an ACL injury in March. He will not be playing this game. Neither will Eli Stove, uh, another receiver that was featured in that game. Uh, but that still leaves Darius Slayton, Nate Craig Myers, and Ryan Davis um, as kind of the... The, the big names, all three productive uh, receivers in the SEC for Auburn last year. Yeah, so Hastings and Stove, who are going to be out, uh, just to give, you, give some context, they were the th- number three and number five wide receivers when it comes to yardage last season. So, I mean, maybe not so much Stove, but Hastings was definitely a part of their offense last year. So uh, he will be missed this week for Auburn. Um, but the guy you mentioned that you really need to keep an eye on is Ryan Davis. And I think... Um, I haven't seen I'll admit I haven't seen any tape of him, but just based on the stats and what what he's put up, he seems like they're kind of like I'm just I'm just thinking like he's their Bobby Ingram almost from like the Seahawks back in the day. Like he is their possession receiver. He set a single season record for receptions um, at Auburn last year, and he accounted for one one third of Auburn's receptions last season. So um, he will be pretty much. Stidham's security blanket, I yep. would assume, in a sh- you know middle yardage type third down situations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Ryan Davis is the guy you're going to want to watch. Five nine, one seventy five. He's a senior, so uh, he's experienced. He's played through these type of games. Yeah, uh, he'll be ready to go. Yeah, Ryan Davis is kind of the screen guy. Um, so we'll talk a little bit okay. in a second about how how Auburn runs the show. But yeah, they do a lot of bubble screens to the outside. That's kind of an extension of their run game. So yeah, Ryan Davis profits a lot from those. Uh, but obviously, you know, 80 catches, 80 catches. He's he's it's not just screens. Um, so yeah, much much the guy that's going to move the chains for them and kind of keep things going. Darius Slayton and Craig Myers, though, those guys are the six two guys. And as we talked about uh, on the last podcast, the uh, UW's three losses last year all came kind of at the hands of of big receivers that that we really couldn't didn't have an answer for um you know Nikhil Harry gave us problems our Sega Whiteside as mentioned and then all the receivers for Penn State that were just you know playing power forward against us basically um so Slayton and Craig Myers at 6-2 are both guys that that present that problem as well so um given given kind of how we were just talking about the, that you'd have defensive backs a guy like Ryan Davis doesn't worry me as much as the Slayton and Craig Myers of the world do. They're going to, those are the guys that are going to stretch the field with. Yeah. Davis is, like I said, he's their short possession receiver type guy. He only averaged 9.7 yards per catch last year. But Slayton, on the other hand, he had 643 yards and averaged 22.2 yards per catch. So yeah. he will get downfield. We're going to have to be um very aware of that they they do like to because they like to run it so much 64 percent of the time last season versus 36 passing uh they will they will throw in a lot of play action when they do in fact throw the ball and that's when someone like slayton can be released down the seam or out Mm -hmm. wide um so we just need to make sure that we're sticking to our assignments and are ready for that play action to one of those big guys down the field yep Yep, and both those guys, um, all the Auburn receivers are heavily involved in blocking. It's kind of the way they go. It, no real tight end usage um, from them. So, so the guys we're mentioning, and then whoever the freshman receivers that get thrown in the mix are, are, are the names that you're going to hear. So that's that's about it for for pass catchers uh, from Auburn. 
on the defensive side of the ball, this is kind of where Auburn makes their hay is on the defensive line and 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 their linebacker group. I mean, that's that's uh, that's where the true SEC comes through on on that team. Yeah, this is this is why they have that top ten ranking at nine. Um, they were ranked thirteen and thirteenth in total defensive yards last season, um, so they're right up there with the best of them. Uh, to compare, UW was eighth, so uh, I'll hang my hat on that. That's great. Um, the 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 most the weakest unit on their defensive in the defensive side of the ball for Auburn is definitely their secondary. Um, they lost both of their safeties and one of their starting cornerbacks, so they're going to be shifting in some new players this year. Um, who those are, I'm not sure, but uh, definitely uh, will be interest interesting to see how they react to uh, a big game atmosphere like that. But uh, coming back to the defensive line in the front seven, uh, arguably the best in the country. You could say Clemson has better, but I think I, I think Auburn I will go ahead might and say be better than Alabama. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. It's kind of Clemson and everybody else. I mean, Clemson has, I think, five sure. five guys who legitimately could be top fifteen picks uh, this year, which is just terrifying. Um, so yeah, Auburn. Phil Steele has them as their number five defensive line in the nation. Okay. Dontavious Russell, Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson are all guys that w- will be drafted in the NFL. Um, Jeff Holland was their big sack guy from last year, but it sound but obviously he's he's now playing for the Denver Broncos uh, for good reason. Um, so they have a little bit of a hole um, as to who's going to fill uh, fill their their defensive line production, uh, but doesn't sound too dissimilar from from what UW is dealing with, given that that we are trying to replace Vita Vea on the other side. Yeah, great point. Um, I will I will add that I've read comparisons to their 2010 national title D line, which was led by Nick Fairley among others. So. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to be ready uh, up front, and Jake's gonna have to be very, uh, you know, aware of what kind of mm-hmm. blitz packages and you know what yeah. they're bringing to the table on that side. So uh, yeah, this yeah, it's it's gonna be the real deal. This this was something when you watch them play UCF. Uh, UCF was able to gain big chunks of yards because Mackenzie Milton, their quarterback, is is a an agile. Agile young man, uh, very tiny, very fleet of foot. Jake Browning, not that, as we saw in the Stanford game. Deceptively uh, okay, though. Uh, yeah, he's he's coy. To be fair to him, he's coy given given his his limited gifts uh, in the open field. Um, but yeah, it's going to be something where there will be pressure often, um, and so how mm-hmm. how Browning handles that, and can they challenge those defensive backs and make this a game um, where you know the 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 Fullers and new receivers that you're seeing come in, can they can they make plays downfield and test those defensive backs? Um, because as you said, that's that's the that's the unit you want to attack, um, given that that the linebackers for Auburn are, um, I think Phil Steele has them as the 14th best in the country. So I mean that's um, you know there's kind of the, the front two levels are the ones you don't want to mess with. Uh, the back end is the one you do. Any other thoughts yeah. on uh, on kind of the guys on on Auburn to to take care of? I just would add because we didn't really talk about the linebacking crew. Uh, both their their top two tack, tack, leading tacklers from last season do return in Deshaun Davis and Darrell Williams at linebackers. So, um, like you mentioned, like I mentioned previously, the front seven is going to be probably the best front seven we face all season. Yeah, uh, and probably the best we have seen since uh, since that faithful Alabama game. And very similar, yep. I think Peterson said as much. He said they're very Alabama e. Uh, in terms of the yeah. def- defensive line, um, so so yeah, if it felt like we were stuck in traffic in that Bama game, um, might be a little bit of that. So it could be tough sledding to get to get some yards, especially on the ground game, um, in conventional ways. But we'll see we'll see how how the team attacks. 
Uh, One more thing uh, to add. Absolutely. Uh, is, I don't know if you're going to talk about special teams, but they are introducing a new kicker. Something to keep in mind. Two new kickers coming into this game. Um, and mm-hmm. that, that is something that, uh, you know, it's it's in a dome. It's in, it's in the Mercedes-Benz Super, or not Mercedes-Benz. Goodness gracious. The, uh, the what, what am I thinking of? Is it the Audi or? No. no I... Is it Mercedes-Benz? It's the Mercedes-Benz yeah, I... Superdome, but I think they also own the... <laughs> The new Georgia Dome, uh, where the game will be played in Atlanta. Um, I could I could fact check that, but I'm just gonna run with it. Uh, Mercedes Benz Stadium. Yes, it looks like a like an Not intergalactic, the intergalactic facility um, that some of my some of my dear friends will be at uh, and are giving me all kinds of of, uh, of hell for not being there. But uh, two hundred and fifty dollars ha- for a ticket, like. Are you serious? Yeah, that's, Liberty, that's Liberty so is, steep. Liberty is not the best weekend to travel. Um, so so I would, I would, that's seventy five bucks more than the semifinal game in Atlanta two years ago. Yes, yes, thank you. And and there might be a semifinal game for us to go to this year. Uh, exactly. That hopefully Overstock.com at home with the O will be paying for. Um, Beautiful. To to be seen or Denny's or yeah uh, you know anybody really. If you want to pay for us to mm-hmm. go, go at to, this point and anybody. Yeah. If you want to pay for an Amtrak for me to go to, I don't know, Moncton, New Jersey, go for it. Count <laughs> as a sponsor. Uh, X's and O's, right? It's not about the Jimmy, Jimmy's and Joe's stand. It's about the X's and O's. Uh, and we got that. We, we sure do. The first thing we'll talk about is Gus Malzahn, um, the, the Auburn head coach. Uh, first thing, and this might end up being what we spend the majority of our time talking about, but I'm okay with it because okay. I had so much fun doing this research. Gus Malzahn is, uh, belongs to an elite breed of visor coaches. Um, visor coaches are, are head football coaches who, who wear visors and um, a dying breed in some respects, in some, in some respects. Yes. I, I don't see a visor very often. Anymore well, well now Stanton, uh, the Super Bowl champion, Doug Peterson is a visor coach. Um, ah. so th- th- there's, there's a long lineage of visor coaches. Uh, I will say, let, let's just kind of go over the list here of, of, you know, great visor coaches, moments, things like that. Uh, we have Gus, right. Who has won a national mm-hmm. championship. Uh, Bob Stoops of Oklahoma fame. Um, oh, yeah. of, uh, one of the, the continuers of the, of the, uh, old ball coach, Steve Spurrier, right? <laughs> I was going to say, if you yeah. don't, if you don't call him the old ball coach, I'm going to have to correct you. The original visor coach, um, whose son is an assistant coach on the Cougar staff. No might way. I add. Get out of town. Yeah. All right. Yeah, there you go. Um, value add right there. <laughs> value <right>. add. <laughs> <laughs> we need a, we need a bell for every value add. We it's, add. it's gotta be a hashtag. Yeah. A bell would be nice. Hashtag value add. Um, yeah, so Steve Spurrier wore a visor, although to be fair, that was kind of an extension because he would just play golf before games and then immediately go uh, coach. So who's to say whether the visor was uh, truly his football garb or his golf garb? Um, Chip Kelly of of, of the, vis- oh, yeah. the visor coach coaching tree. Uh, I think the greatest visor moment in visor coach history was uh, – Mike Gundy giving the I'm a man, I'm 40 speech in yep. a visor uh, during his press conference. Uh, John Gruden is a, is a visor disciple. Uh, Sark wore the, wore the, the visor, um, which I'm fine with because it, at least it wasn't the beanie over the hat look that he wore a couple times. Um, Guy Fieri is a visor. Wow. He might That's have a, a great his, call. His son might Welcome have like a flavor town. His son might have a flag football team or something that he coaches. 
Uh, Lane Kiffin, I think, was born in a visor. Uh, yep. Sean Payton wears a visor. And then uh, Coach Marty Daniels of Blue Mountain State fame uh, was also <laughs> a visor coach. There are plenty more folks, but that's that's basically it. Um, I I think it's more impressive if you still are wearing a visor and like now. Like you named a couple people that no Bub- longer wear visors. Bubba Watson. But that yeah, but I mean golf golf is kind of in their own. That's Phil, their own Phil thing. Phil visor too. Um, I mean Dan Mullen is another one. True. New New Florida coach yep. from Mississippi State. He's Kirby, still rocking a visor to this day. Yeah, Kirby Smart, Georgia coach, will will rock a visor. It's from time to time. Um, yep. it's, it's, it's a, it's a look, it's a look visors basically have no place in society unless you're a college football coach or, you know, some pro or some, a golfer. Yeah. Or some pro football coaches. Um, or just a really like, uh, I'm not going to say it, but like a frat guy that you hate basically. Uh, yeah. Or you're at a tailgate in Mississippi. Um, Anyways, Gus Malzahn. Trying to is, censor myself. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Gus Malzahn is a, uh, a kind of an offensive guru. He was famous for, um, you know, talk, kind of the no huddle spread movements. Um, he's got plenty of videos from his high school coaching days where he's literally giving coaching lessons on an overhead projector. Uh, shouts out to all my elementary school teachers that did that as well. Um, <laughs> So Gus Malzahn passed to open the, up the run, very similar to, you know, kind of how the Peyton Manning teams of the of the Broncos days where it was kind of just read of like, okay, we have five five men in the box, we're going to run, six men, we're going to pass. It was basically that simple, um, very, very similar type of, uh, type of look from Malzahn. Gus Malzahn does not care about time of possession. Let me tell you, Gus Malzahn is more hurried, more worried about how many plays that he can get off. Um, and so you will see Auburn kind of go quickly from play to play, trying to to get their number of snaps. Uh, quick note, the only teams that played faster than Auburn last year uh, that UW would have played are Utah and Wazoo. Of course, they, they beat both of them, um, so worth noting. I mentioned the Wildcat uh, was a part of the mix. Carryon Johnson mm-hmm. was... Uh, uh, prone to throwing a couple of those Tebow throws, if you if you catch my drift, where it's kind of a, a catch it and then take two steps in and then the little jump pass. Um, so that's that's a that's a key part of their goal line package. So don't be don't be surprised. Uh, the term RPO will be something you hear all season, whether you're watching college football or NFL football, as the rest of the world is caught on to the run love pa- an RPO run pass option. Right, you will hear it plenty because Auburn does it all the time. Right, every single play is basically one of those of their choosing. It's they're talking about you know does the defensive end crash, does the defensive end come in. Uh, you will hear that terminology and that breakdown probably happen on Saturday. Uh, one last note: uh, the offensive coordinator for Auburn is Chip Lindsey. And now Chip yep. Lindsey was the offensive coordinator for the Arizona State Sun Devils in 2016. Absolutely. And the Arizona State Sun Devils walked into Husky Stadium that season, uh, granted with a team that is probably, I don't know, 60% as talented on offense, maybe even less than that than, than what Auburn has, uh, but walked into Husky Stadium in 2016 and put up 24 offensive yards in the first half uh, and no points in that game before it was basically over and uh, their offense came in the second half. So They had an amazing Kalen Balage on that team, too, at running back. Yes, so. Kalen Balage, freshman Nikhil bo- Harry. Balage, so, yeah. Yes. We bottled him up quite nicely. Yeah, a barrage of Balage. There was not, um, I'll tell you that nice. much. Um, and basically the, the note on Stidham is, ba- is if you watch against UCF, if he had time to throw, he just makes incredible throws. Like, like he, he is a great, 
uh, spinner of the ball, as they say. But if you put pressure on him and it's 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 kind of you know frantic and he has to to spin around in the pocket, that's when he gets a little loose with the ball and is prone to decisions um, that that results in turnovers or. Um, don't really activate his receivers downfield. So getting pressure on Stidham is is all she wrote. I mean, if you can do that, I feel very confident uh, that UW can pull it off. Yeah, I mean, and third down, Stidham, we talked about at length last time we did a pod. Oh yeah, I, the thing about Stidham is, like I said, he was he was really well. He wasn't that great in the first two or the last two, but when he was on in those middle ten games. He blew out the likes of number one Georgia, or uh, yeah, number one Georgia uh, beat Alab- number one Alabama by double j- digits two weeks later. Um, so yeah, he's he can really be one of the best. He will be in the Heisman discussion this season, most likely. Yeah, St- Stidham is a guy who you know it, it could end up being. Uh, based off of need, his his name is going to get heard. He's basically one of three quarterbacks that could be um, the first quarterback off the board this year with Will Greer uh, from West Virginia and then Justin Herbert from, from Oregon. Um, so, yeah, he's got all the talent in the world. He's kind of the guy that runs the show. Very similar to how, I mean, if you listen to Gus Malzahn and, and Jake Brown era and Chris Peterson's press conferences, those guys get talked about very similarly of like, it's so nice to have a quarterback with experience, um, you know, really run the show, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, Jake Browning <laughs> two years ago put up 44 touch touchdowns and it's just kind of, it feels so far removed from that. So it, it's going to be a yeah. big, big point to see how he plays, um, on Saturday. That's it for Jimmy's and Joe's X's and O's. You decide which one it's more about. Uh, we will, we will figure that out, um, on Saturday, which excuse we want to use or which one we want to look back on. We're going to move on to one burning question, um, which is kind of the, the you know, the, the big question encapsulating the state of the program at the moment. We did a podcast before the start of fall camp, as we discussed, um, and we had some general thoughts about, you know, kind of the optimism about this season. My question to you, and it's burning, right? It's it's, it's singeing Red my, hot. I can feel it. Singeing my pop filter as it comes through. Uh, are you feeling better or worse about things heading into the Auburn game than you were when we last spoke a few weeks ago, uh, so I've done a, I've I've done a lot of research on on Auburn and I looked into this game and I am actually feeling better about it than previously when we last spoke. Uh, when we last spoke, if you asked me who do you think will win, I probably would have said Auburn. Actually, I'm sure I would have said Auburn, um, even though we're Auburn's still the betting favorite by a few points. Um, I think the Huskies, if I had to choose um, and strip out any biases, which is impossible right, when, if we're being honest, I still think I do think the Huskies are going to pull it out. And it's mostly because I think our offense is a bit better than theirs. And I think our defense, our both defenses are about the same. But getting back to your question, uh, do I feel like big questions heading into fall camp were answered? Um, I divided this up into three different sections, different unit position groups, basically. So um, I'll start out wide receiver. I listed this as a maybe to be determined, to be honest. Uh, I know, not very definitive over here. Do you feel better? Maybe. Do I feel better about the wide receivers? Maybe. Um, So we lost Pettis, obviously. Uh, The starters are going to be Aaron Fuller, Ty Jones, and Chico McClatcher. You do have have pounds Quentin pounds coming back from injury um he and uh Bichelia are going to be the backups 
or Bocelli, sorry. Um, but the question is, all these guys have been role players for the most part in their careers at UW. So mm-hmm. it's basically who's going to be the guy. Uh, Aaron Fuller probably has the best odds of being the guy going forward, but I don't know if he his play style and his body type necessarily like he's just kind of a smaller guy, speedier guy. I don't know if he he necessarily will be that guy. I feel like someone like Ty Jones is more cut from the cloth of being like a go-to wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's still up in the air. I think there's a lot of talent there, so that's why I put maybe. But wide receiver is definitely one of the big question marks coming out of fall camp and into the season. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely agree and, and kind of what the notes I had as well of, of just in general, a lingering question heading from last time we spoke was, did we add dimensions to the offense to make us better? Um, and I think, you know, Aaron Fuller stepped up. There was no like, eh, Aaron Fuller's not really progressing. It's like, no, he, he was there, right? He was he had plenty of, of notes about Fuller's progress. Um, Adam Jude had him as a, as a breakout. Ty Jones, as you mentioned, but also I think that there was kind of uh, just a general like impetus to get Savon Ahmed involved. And I think that that will sure. take, that's kind of, you know, you think about the the six four receiver that you need to make really big plays down the field. And that is certainly true and helps a lot. But I think that, uh, that they're kind of discovering all these different dimensions of, you know, you have the, the tight end intermediate game, you have some guys who might be able to stretch the field for you. But then uh, I think that this team is really going to bread its butt or, butter its bread that's a val- value subtraction right there uh but butter its bread with uh with miles gaskin savon Ackman because those those might be your two off best offensive players outside of jake browning yeah it's we don't have the luxury of having those you know surefire uh prototypical wide receivers on the outside that you can just go to like a germane curse devin Ag- aguilar combo for instance um but at the same time, you have a lot of talented athletes that if you put them in open space, they can make a difference in the passing game. So you're going to see the see um, Peterson and new offensive coordinator Bush Hamden uh, get creative with things, um, which they have in past years. But uh, I think you'll see it just as much this season, if not more. You know, what I'm talking about is, you know, getting Ahmed out into the flat, um, you know, for a swing pass or, you know, something out of the back wheel, just getting athletes into space. So uh, I don't think this will be an issue. Uh, it's just we might have to get a little more creative than uh, most teams do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think another part about me, I, I totally agree with you. I feel better um, just kind of seeing the the cards fall. I just feel like you uh, might be a better overall team um, in terms of balance and there's just kind of less questions in the air um, that was one thing just a general sentiment also getting out of camp unscathed no big injuries uh, there's a little bit of yep. like a, a Greg Gaines hitch hitch for you know getting him some rest and kind of keeping him out from, from he's good to go though good to go right there's no there's no big overhanging thing that we didn't already know about obviously you would love to have Hunter Bryant there uh, that was already resolved by the time we spoke last um, that he wasn't going to be involved the offensive line is solid, right? Nobody came down on that. Trey Adams came back. It was kind of like, uh, could you know, he might still be lingering effects from last year's ACL tear. He's all good. You have your offensive line set. Uh, the pass rush came along. You know, the idea that Benning Potawai stood out. You kind of needed someone to, to look like they're going to be uh, a disruptor on that side, given that, you know, Ryan Bowman kind of came out of nowhere and got five and a half sacks last year. I'd be surprised if he did that again this year, just because... 
um, you know, just I, I have a feeling that that's kind of be how it works. Regression so, to the mean, essentially. Exactly, right? He overperformed year one, he'll kind of come back. Uh, but Potowai is the guy with the pedigree who could, uh, you know, could fill that role as an elite pass rusher. And it sounds like he did exactly what he needed to do. Stopped eating junk food, which uh, or fast food, which was that was that was Benning's wow. big, big move um, in spring Good ball. Him. Talked about, yeah, the restraint as a college kid. I mean, especially with Dix yeah. right there on campus. My mm-hmm. God, my God, uh, ble- <laughs> bless all of them. Good for, on them. Yeah, for real. Round of applause. Yeah, uh, way to add value to yourself, Benning. Um, the only thing I, I kind of struggle with is it took the offense uh, kind of on all the reports. It took the offense a long time to get going. Uh, in fall camp and, and to score against this defense, it was it was reported of you know uh, yet another day of the offense not scoring. Uh, Do you know how many days, by the way? Uh, I don't know. It was like eight days. I'm yeah, not was, joking. It was that. It was literally like seven eight days that it took before the to the offense first team offense scored a touchdown on a, the first team defense. A full menorah without scoring. Um, that's that's <laughs> that's a tough one um, going up against a defense that that will certainly be. Uh, very high caliber, as we just mentioned. So that that scares me a little bit um, that that an offense with led by a senior quarterback wasn't able to score um, against a defense, a very good defense in practice, um, but not a great sign, I will say. To be fair, it is two hand touch in in those in like the first ten days of practice. So it's kind of I, I was reading about this it is expected for the defense to start out stronger than the offense pretty much regardless mm-hmm. but um yeah it would that that's a long time to not score a touchdown yeah yeah so I think uh overall yeah I feel better I, f- I feel better it was kind of a, a toss-up for me uh when we talked three weeks ago now gimme right like I I I, I feel um that that this is a game that I expect to win. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna borrow Sark's yeah. line. Expect to win. If if I had to choose, I would I would choose the Huskies right now. Um, the def- their defense, like we said, is going to be very difficult to get by. Mm-hmm. But I think their offense. I think our offense is is overall better than their offense. Like they have some pieces. Don't get me wrong, Jared Stidham, like we said, but. People like Miles Gaskin, they don't have a Gaskin there that they can lean on. Um, they do have Ryan Davis at wide receiver, but I mean, I think our offensive line is in better shape. They, in their final six games or so, they started four seniors at on offensive line, and obviously they're all gone. So they have to, you know, get new guys in there. So I think from a overall standpoint, offense is better, and I think their defense may be slightly better, but it's it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. It's pretty close. Ours could be better, too. It's really a toss-up. So I think at the end of the day, I'm going to take the Huskies in this one. Yeah, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. Uh, Auburn is a point-and-a-half favorite that I'm, I'm sure is heavily influenced by the— It's come uh, down. The, I saw two-and-a-half. Yeah, by the location of the game, the fact that it's in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. will certainly skew heavy. You will see a lot of orange and blue uh, in the— uh, in the stands uh, for, for Saturday's game, just based on the proximity, it's like a two-and-a-half-hour drive, I think, from Auburn. Uh, much longer from Seattle, turns out. Uh, you can't get those SEC teams out like out of there, out of the South. It's kind of no. ridiculous. Hell but. no. Uh, no, they run the show. So, yeah, got to beat them. Got to beat them there. Um, that's that's kind of the way things go. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal opportunity, as we kind of let off the pod talking about. Um, but we shall see. Uh, how it plays out, but I'm yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm feeling I'm feeling uh, a little. I'm on the up heading into this game, but that that could all dissipate very quickly <laughs> <laughs> within seconds. Oh, yeah. um, 
uh, taking a fair catch at the on the opening kickoff would be a bad sign. Uh, we will we will end this pod with our with just just a, a great um, feel good segment here uh, or feel feel bad one of the two. The OKG of the week, right? This is our kind of pod. Now we're trying to name our kind of guy, and and let's let's be fair. Our kind of guy could be an our kind of gal, right? There's there's no there's no sure. no yeah. uh, restrictions for that. Jen Jen, Jen Cohen, Cohen could be it, yeah. Absolutely, Jen Cohen is is our kind of gal, especially um, with some things happen at happening at other in a, other athletic departments around the country. We yeah. have yes, exactly. We have our first nomination for for the OKG of the week, and it is Jen Cohen for hiring um, for hiring the coach that was nominated as actually. Yeah, Jen Cohen did did hire him as the uh, the coach least likely to commit an NCAA violation. Chris Peterson. So thank you, yeah. Jen Cohen, for uh, for not embroiling this program in in controversy. Uh, another uh, another nominee was okay. My boy Jeff Linquist, who came on this pod yep, uh, last definitely. week and was was just spectacular. Value add. And yes. at its finest, right? Breath, there. Breathtaking honesty. Uh, had the full opportunity to, to brush off that he had never botched a kick in his holding career. Looked me straight in yeah. the eye across Skype and said, "Actually, Brandon, he 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 straight up George Washington. The the uh, he couldn't tell a lie, and he did botch a kick against Stanford." I looked it up too, and it is correct. Wow, it, we did fail that PAT. Unreal, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff was Jeff was great. Uh, any other OKG noms? From your side. My OKG nominations were a they're a group of people, um, of four people I listed, but there's there's more. Um, but all the guys who fought back from injury last season and are healthy and ready to start the season. So I know that's tough coming back, and I feel like you're you're kind of isolated and you know rehabbing on your own. But Trey Adams, he should be good to go. We're going to need him. Uh, he could be could be an All American at. at could be an all-conference pick right there. Chica McClatcher is another name. Um, Jordan Miller, starting corner. It's good to have him back alongside uh, Byron Murphy. And then Quentin Pounds at wide receiver. He'll You'll see a lot of him on, on Saturday. So those four guys are my group of OKGs for fighting back from injury and uh, being healthy and ready for the start of the season. There we go, right? Maybe even throw the UW medical staff in there, right? They, hey, I'm there sure, we go. I'm sure they played a little bit of a role. Uh, we yep. love our athletic trainers um, out there. Uh, great, great people for for lots of different reasons. Last one I'll I'll, I'll throw in. Um, <laughs> actually, got two. Ben Burkirvan, because he is your yep. starting middle linebacker. Nobody. I I read a, basically every practice report. I don't think anybody wrote a single word about this guy, and I think that's exactly how he would want it. A very understated fellow um, who is a very very solid player. Um, ben Burkirvan. Doing it, doing it the old-fashioned way, you know, not yep. looking over his shoulder, just just showing up with a lunch pail and doing his job. Uh, <laughs> I was literally about to say lunch pail mentality. There you go, That's and great. then and then the Hard last one, KJ Carter Samuels, right? Former yeah. former UW quarterback, balling his face off against uh, Hawaii in a loss in the first college football game of the season in his first start since uh, uh, a brutal at Stanford start a few years ago in Jake Browning's freshman season. Uh, KJ went 34 50 for 537, five touchdowns, just lost his mind, um, playing, playing, uh, playing, uh, in, in, uh, is it Colorado Springs up there? Colorado state. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the altitude was, was <laughs> turned on some funky juices for KJ. Uh, didn't know he yeah. had it in him, but, but congrats to him for a, a great first showing, uh, albeit in a loss. Yeah. Wow. Imagine going 537 in a loss. That's like some Baylor. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, yeah that's, that's like Baylor uh, UW yeah. uh, bowl game stuff right there. Yep, that's that's a stat line brought to you by Nick Holt um, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, so we got some noms: uh, Jen Cohen, Jeff Linquist, KJ Carter Samuels, the 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 quartet of of. Huskies, the cri- cripple crew, the cripple crew, um, returning from injury, uh, along with their their associated athletic trainers, uh, Ben Burkirvan is in there. Who who do you get the nut? Who 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 do we bestow this incredible honor uh, to? Oh man, we actually have to narrow this down. I I think oh. we, I think we give it to Gen C. Yeah, I was gonna because yeah, none I, of this none of this more. happens sure. without her. Definitely. Sorry, Jeff. You're a great, you're a great guy. <laughs> he's he's a he's a one B. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. he's a friend of the pod, so he is. Uh, yeah, there's there's it's a select few that are that are friends of the pod, but uh, he's it's he's a, It is it is exponentially as we said. Uh, so Gen C, you are our OKG, the first out kind of gal of the week. Uh, we need a jingle thing. right here. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all my composer I'll friends in a out bell. there. You know, I'm gonna hit up. I'm gonna hit up Darno Gant. Right, he he's oh a yeah, famous he's a musician. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, keyboardist. Uh, he's a friend of the pod, anyways. Absolutely, as is Steve Pelor, uh, former Pac-12 Player of the Year. Steve Pelor, Pac-10 Player of the Year, maybe even Pac-8. Anyways, Pac-8. <laughs> the the last uh, note that we'll have here for tonight is our great cat of fall camp. Those of you who, who aren't fans of the show, uh, the great cat is not a good thing, right? Is it's, it's nope. a, a moniker reserved for darker days of the UW program. Uh, so to be a great cat is to be a, a a not good thing. So this doesn't have to be a part of the program. It can be kind of the great cat of of uh, you know the the college football landscape. Um, who do you got for for our great cat? Well, I'll go outside of the program. I will uh, bestow this wonderful honor uh, to begin the season on our friends at the Pac-12 Network, who have <laughs> for another year failed to reach an agreement with Directv. Um, it is incredible. Yeah. So, uh, granted, I do not have a direct TV. This is not. This has not hindered me at all. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure we're in 2018 right now, where where content should be freely available at this point. So, uh, yeah, pretty atrocious that we're going on another year where uh, where like you can't get it on one of the biggest service cable services. That's pretty bad. Um, yeah. So that was. That was one, one A. One B is is uh, Ale Cajo, who oh. uh, decommitted and then committed to Alabama. I'm not going to get into the details of this because there's some family stuff that's going on. But uh, something seems fishy there, committing to Alabama a couple days after decommitting for family reasons. So uh, I'll yeah. leave it at that. But uh, yeah, let's yeah. go with Patrol Network. Let's I, keep I, it classy on here. I like go Patrol. I like the network as as a as a quick quick uh, quick great cat there. Um, mm-hmm. Give them the full meow treatment there. Uh, <laughs> the the Maryland football program would be a great okay. cat. Just, I've heard some rumblings about that. I don't really know the details. Though. I would suggest you read that story um, on ESPN. Okay. It's 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 everything that's bad about um, the masculine culture of sports and football, especially all wrapped up into one thing where you just have people being awful to each other um, as a means of coaching and leading. And it's just so I'm glad that this stuff is finally getting exposed as not the best way to, uh, to run a program. So, so yeah, Maryland football, the great cat, uh, my other nominee, the, do you see the Notre Dame Yankees jerseys? 
Yeah, oh, bad. Oh, God. Yeah, so Notre Dame is wearing these jerseys when they play Syracuse this year. It's in Fenway Park. I don't know if it's in Fenway, but it's, it's definitely in New York. And it's, it's like a pinstripe. You mean Yankee Stadium? Jesus, yeah. Where, where am I yeah. living right now? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Value. Good thing minus. you, yeah, you're in Boston. You might, yeah, you better watch yourself. <laughs> I need to turn the AC back on. I'm losing it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, th- these are atrocious. They're like a quarter Notre Dame, or Notre Dame torso jerseys with Yankee pinstripe sleeves. And uh, it's it's a, it's an abomination. Um, so so that very that, organ of them. Yeah, well, not even like trying organ. too hard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But they, they kind of have some limits of how hard they can try. So that was actually uh, the Oregon uniforms were uh, a potential for this just because of the numbers on their New York uniforms are like, I'm Big, pretty sure they had bigger a, than the numbers a, on the field. Yeah, I think they had a committee of seniors like come through and choose what number scheme they would go with. Yeah. And it was just like, we need to be able to see. Senior citizens, you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. The uh, the Eugene... Uh, 55 and older crowd. The Eugene Shuffleboard community decided on on how how big to make the, the Oregon numbers. Um, I'm going to go with Maryland football because the, the, there are just no worse people in this in this scenario, uh, but plenty of, of options for our, for our great cat. Mm-hmm. yeah uh all right that'll do it for uh for our kind of pod auburn edition auburn preview edition uh, we will throw this back next week hopefully with some happy news uh thank you so much stan for uh for just just adding so much value you know that's what we're all about value add Twelve thirty on saturday uh what is it abc uw and auburn there we go for all the marbles. Three thirty Eastern for uh, for all of the folks that are oh, interested. Yeah. Um, you know, the people, value people in Atlanta. You want to be in your seats by by three thirty. Uh, all right, folks. Thanks for listening and go dogs. Those are the preview stylings of my boy Michael Stanton heading into the Auburn game. Can't wait for this one. Stay tuned later this week for a little bonus action about some other Pac-12 preview stuff and some discussion of the national college football scene as well. Peace!